here. Um, we are going to, we are so thankful that you're here and that we can all gather on this beautiful morning outside together. Um, we are going to enter into a time of prayer right now. We are in a time of transition heading into summer. A lot of you kids out there have either just finished school or you're going to be finishing school um, this next week. And teachers, if we have teachers, same for you. Well done. You have made it. Um, one more week. And then we have um, some guests here today from Camp Ridge Crest for Boys. Um, and we also love to represent Camp Crestridge for girls, and they are entering into a much different season right now, especially this year, and we are excited, and so we just want to pray. We want to take some time praying as a community. If you are around anyone that serves, is a kid at finishing school, is a teacher, um, is a camp counselor, camp director, any of those, would you just maybe put a hand on them or you can stretch your hand out towards someone and we are going to spend some time praying for this in-between, this finishing season um, for our friends here. Jesus, you are a good God. We hear it and we see it in your creation right now. We hear it in those birds chirping. We feel it in that cool breeze. You call us to things. You call us to do things well. You call us to seasons, seasons of planting and growing and resting. And we thank you for the summer season that for a lot of us is a season of rest, is a season of recreation, recreation. And so we pray for these kids, these students, college students, elementary, middle, high school. We pray that they would finish well. If they have finished, we pray that they would, they would feel good and they would hear you saying, job well done. And for these kids, would they finish, would they be attentive this week? For their teachers, would they have grace and peace? And would teachers feel refilled this summer by you? After an unprecedented year of teaching, would they just feel, feel your presence close to them? We thank you for them. We thank you for their calling uh, into teaching. And for people who are doing these seasonal summer jobs for our camps all over um, this valley, we pray that you would bless these people. Would you fill them up with your spirit? Would your spirit go out um, and revive all these families and these kids that are traveling from near and far to come to summer camp. We pray for a special blessing on them, that your word would go out and that your spirit would be stirred and that the name of Jesus would be glorified, God. We pray for safety. We pray for um, just a whole lot of you in these camps, and I thank you for the ministry of camping. We pray for Camp Ridgecrest and Camp Crestridge. Pray for our other camps. God, would a great work be done. And now, if we can all join together in the way you taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. A kingdom come, it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Least not in temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory, glory forever and ever. Amen. 
All right. You guys feel very far away, just so you know. Hey, I'm Amy Berry. I'm the director of discipleship here, and I'm going to talk. Give me a hand. Can you hear me in the back? All right. I like that. Thank you. Um, hey, a couple of things going on. Um, first of all, our next two Sundays, we'll be back to two services. We're going to be doing one service once in a while. Um just to do something different. And then for um, some of our friends who can't attend in person yet, they might feel more comfortable um, coming outside and being outside. And we like this. We're learning what this is like. Um, so thank you for being patient for us. But the next two Sundays, we'll be back to 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. No reservation um, is required. And we will have the fellowship um, available for um, a room for, with masks and socially distance, if you feel comfortable. The sanctuary will be open and masks are optional. Um, and so just so you know that that is coming the next two weeks. Um, what else? I have a lot of announcements. Hopefully I can see them. Um, our summer schedule changes. Um, one thing is our missional community groups that have been meeting um, off and on, they do go into more of a season of rest. And so we want you to feel free, check in with your leader and say, what are we doing this summer? Are we resting? Some will be hanging out socially, but we really want to encourage people in a season of rest. Um, but keep hanging out with each other. We like that also. We'll have lots of things coming up for kids. Um, our upper elementary hangouts. We We'll have our playground play dates. We will be having Sunday school. Um, there was something else that is supposed <laughs> Oh, I remember the summer kickoff picnic at Black Mountain Home West Campus on Friday, June 4th, starting at 530. We'd love to invite all of you that to that. Um, young and old, kids no kids, invite your friends and just come and have a great time that Friday um, being together. And then we also have one senior that is graduating, Sam High, and we have a laundry basket in here and we are collecting things for him for college. You know, laundry detergent, just things to make his room smell good, all of that kind of stuff. Or you can just give him money or notes of encouragement, anything like that. We would love to come alongside um, Daniel and Helen High and celebrate with them this huge milestone in the life of Sam. And so that's going to be going on until June 6th. Um, and for members, we have a congregational meeting. My phone got too hot, guys, so now I don't have my announcements. It's okay. It's all up here, I'm sure. Um, we have a congregational meeting right after this. And so if you are a member, we would love for you to stay. Um, we're going to gather in the shade, I would say. I'll make that decision. And um, kids, there's child care on the playground, and there's going to be peanut butter sandwiches and fruit for them. Um, and if you're not a member, you can stay and hear about the business of the church. You just can't vote yet. Um, so I think... Yeah, I think that's it. Sure. If not, read your emails. We'd love for you to read those. Lots of great info in them. And now, <laughs> here's Anthony. <laughs> it's a good sign when it's so hot that your phone does the emergency <laughs> shut off. My name's Anthony. I'm the pastor of Valley Hope. Um, it's good to see you from a distance. Hi. Yeah. Um, let me just raise this up real quick. Turn it up. Just put it in my mouth. Yeah, I got it. I'm the last person to use this mic, so I'm just going to get a lot of spit on it. 
All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read for us from Acts chapter 2. Right. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we can hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lift up his voice and address them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's the only the third hour of the day. Then Peter goes on to preach a sermon, um, the, the extent of which I'm not going to read all of right now, but we'll come back to it. I'm going to skip to the end, the results of that sermon. In verse 34, it says, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for Pentecost. We thank you for uh, this beautiful day, warm though it is. God, we're so grateful for the sunshine and for the breeze. And we're so glad that you called us here to hear from you. God, we pray that you'd help us to actually hear you. Open our ears, Lord, and make us ready to listen and to respond the same way these people did that day many years ago. We ask this in the name of Jesus and to the praise of his name. Amen. Uh, thank you for, for being with us this morning. Uh, for, for about the past 15 months, um, we have been in the position of saying, we don't know what we're doing. There's no kind of playbook for a global pandemic, at least not that I'm aware of. Uh, that was not a class in, in my seminary program. And so what I've told our people is, our staff and our leaders, is we've just got to be in a position to just try stuff. We're just going to keep trying stuff. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something different. 
So we've never done this before, and we're just trying it. So we thank you for, for tagging along with us. I know that uh, a portion of us are seated on this blacktop. It's probably going to get hotter as we talk, so I'm going to just keep this to a tight 45, 50 minutes to make sure everybody stays comfortable, and we'll just move right through this thing. Um, by the way, if anybody feels like they're getting heat stroke or needs to go to the bathroom, um, the, I was told to tell you, go through that door over there. There's a door to the side, and there's also another door on the other side of the building on this under this overhang, whatever you call that, drive-through. I don't know. Go over there, uh, and all those doors are unlocked. You can go this way. There's bathrooms here and over there and water fountains, crucially. Uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. Um, the church the world over is, is celebrating this day uh, when the events that happened in Acts 2 first occurred. And uh, this, what happens here in Acts 2, is an extension of what happened in Acts chapter 1. We talked about in Acts chapter 1 the events of Jesus' ascension. And what we talked about then is that Jesus promised throughout the whole Gospels that he would never leave his people and so the question then becomes, if he's ascended and the scriptures aren't telling, uh, uh, hiding that from us, they're telling the truth, how can it possibly be true that Jesus would promise this thing and he's not a promise breaker? And the events of Pentecost are the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that he would never leave his people. And it launches the book of Acts into a whole different direction. The church, in many ways, is created and generated and in its uh, current expression on Pentecost. It is the day when the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, falls on his people in this strange way. Now, uh, we can just sort of name some elephants in the open-air room. Um, we're Presbyterian, generally Presbyterians kind of get queasy when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're, we're not totally comfortable all the time with talking about what the Spirit might be doing. And the things that we see in Acts chapter 2 make us even more uncomfortable because this is exactly what we're afraid of. Peter is in the room with the rest of the disciples and this very strange thing happens. There's this wind, there's fire, and they start talking in languages that they themselves don't have any right to know. And so everybody who's gathered around there and can see them and hear them from the street, their response is, we have no idea what is going on. Those people are drunk. That's what they assume. And Peter has to stand up and say, you're confused. We are not drunk. It was, it was 9 in the morning. He said, we have not been drinking from 6 in the morning till now, getting started. We've not had a party all night. We are not drunk. And a lot of times we come to Acts chapter 2, we come to Pentecost, and we have uh, two kinds of different uh, obsessions. One is we don't want to be in the room when the Holy Spirit starts doing something so weird that it makes you look drunk. That's uncomfortable. Or... You have a way to be completely obsessed with the weirdness. And what you can be fooled into thinking is, all it's about is the weirdness. And both of those are mistakes. And you're not paying attention to what the Spirit is actually doing in the text. This chapter, Acts chapter 2, is full of the Old Testament. 
And there are things that are happening throughout the whole Bible that are coming and coming to a head in this one chapter. There is an expectation at this, the Feast of Pentecost, because this is the Feast of First Fruits. That's what Pentecost is about. It is the, is the day when Israel brings the first fruits of their planting in as sacrifice. That's what the, the festival of Pentecost was supposed to be about. And then traditionally, the Jewish people began to associate the giving of the law of Moses with the Feast of Pentecost. So they have these ideas in their mind. And I'm going to lay some more ideas on top of that for you. Also, several hundred years before this, there was a prophet named Ezekiel. And Ezekiel had a vision. He had a dream. And he saw a whole valley full of bones. And he heard the voice of God say, prophesy to these bones. Prophesy that the wind would come. Prophesy that the breath would come. And Ezekiel does that, and in his dream, and I don't know exactly what it looks like, but the bones just kind of reassemble. They, they become fully fleshed people. And then the wind comes, and it fills these resurrected people. I'm going to leave that image on top of there. And one other time, one other Old Testament Im image is in play here. At the very beginning of the story of the Bible, when God creates people, he scoops up the dust and he breathes into them. And humanity comes to life. Now, the whole story of the Bible is of that moment, the breathing in of the breath of God, being fled from by humanity. For by Genesis chapter 3, people are no longer in communion with the one who breathed life into them, and instead of doing the thing that God has made them to do with him, they spend their life just trying to survive. And the story of Israel is that God continues to pursue his people and he gives them a law, the law that Moses gives. And in the law itself, God tells them that something needs to happen to your heart. And you need to circumcise your heart from its hardness. But what he also says in the book of Deuteronomy is you will be unable to do this. And you will be judged and everything will fall apart until I bring you home and I circumcise your heart for you. And my spirit lives inside of you. And so there is this kind of expectation in the whole of the Old Testament that something needs to happen so that the ones who have their life from the breath of God might somehow live close to the face of God again. And they don't know how to deal with the hardness of their own hearts. They don't know how to reckon with their inability to stay close to where God is. And, and God is actively moving and conspiring and putting, putting forward these images like Ezekiel's vision that one day God himself is going to do something that the lips of God would bend close to the earth again and the winds would blow and the breath of God would fill people up and give them life. And Jesus tells his disciples, I will not leave you. Stay here. Don't go anywhere until this thing happens. 
And so what the apostles hear in that room is the wind beginning to blow. And the fruit of that blowing is that they begin to speak and proclaim the good news of Jesus, that the that God has actually begun to do the thing that the whole Old Testament has been preparing people for, that they are leaning on the edge of their seats for. And Peter stands up and he preaches this sermon. It's the first Christian sermon. Peter, the failure, who not many days before this was actively and repeatedly denying that he knew Jesus because he was so afraid, Peter, the fisherman, Peter, the one who can't help but open his mouth and insert his foot as far into his mouth as possible, that Peter stands up in front of everyone and gives this elaborate, concise, direct explanation of the whole Old Testament, preaching from the passage that we read in Joel 2 and from the Psalms. And what he tells the people gathered there under the power of the Holy Spirit is that the plan of God has been fulfilled, that Jesus has ascended to the throne, and that these people have crucified him. And the people there have forgotten the whole what is wrong with these people thing. They've forgotten their objection to the weirdness of what has happened in that room. And instead they are cut to the heart. And they say, what ought we to do? If this is true what you say, what must we do? And Peter's response is very simple. Repent and be baptized. Repent and come in. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is who the Holy Spirit is. And, the, and Pentecost is not this strange little footnote or detail or accessory to the story. Pentecost is where the movement of the scriptures is going the whole time. Later, Paul, when he's writing the book of Colossians, he will say that his job is to proclaim a mystery that's been hidden for ages and ages and generations and is now revealed. And the mystery, quite simply, Paul says, is Christ in you, hope of glory. Before God was way out there, God was back in the garden, God was in the middle of the temple, God was somewhere I had to pilgrimage to. But when Pentecost comes and the script flips and the scriptures are fulfilled, Christ in you becomes possible. And what the Holy Spirit does today, not did 2,000 years ago, but does today is make much of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here, presently, amongst us, to make much of Jesus. And if you are living your life and you're saying, I am not competent to stand up and to preach a sermon like Peter, you're right, but neither was Peter. Peter was not competent to do that. You can say, 
I, I don't know that I have what it takes to really follow Jesus. I don't know that if, this, if I can try hard enough to be the kind of person that these people were. And the whole story of the book of Acts that we're going to see together is that those people were not those kind of people. The thing that transforms them is Christ in them, hope of glory. And the Holy Spirit changes everything. And if we Christians today do not open ourselves and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, we are living a kind of thin Christianity that is unrecognizable in the New Testament and is, frankly, unrecognizable to most of the world. You and I were meant and made to lean into and on the Holy Spirit and allow Him to do strange things to us that fickle failures like Peter might become powerful proclaimers under the power of the Spirit. And you don't have to worry about whether he is safe to do that with. You don't have to keep him at arm's length. You don't have to keep the Spirit at arm's length and say, look, I've got a list of two things that the Holy Spirit is allowed to do in me because I'm frankly afraid of standing up and looking like a fool and saying things that I don't quite understand because this Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And Jesus is the most trustworthy person I have ever met. You do not need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit because this is the Spirit of Jesus who loves His people. And you were made for a life lived in closeness with God. The law of Moses was given to people with hard hearts. But God fulfills his promise and does what the law cannot do makes your heart and mine transformed from one of hard flinty stone into a heart of flesh that the law is taken from out there and instead engraven on our hearts that the lips of the creator are not somewhere deep in the past in some faraway garden but instead blows the wind of his own breath continually through his people as he lives in close communion with them forever. We are made for this kind of life. You are meant to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and you are meant to be sent by the Holy Spirit. Notice the effect of Pentecost is not to stay in the upper room where they are, but is instead propelling them so that every nation and language can hear the good news of Jesus in their own tongue. And I don't know where that means for you. I don't know if to you the ends of the earth are geographic and you're supposed to go to the, to the deepest portions of the Amazon or if for you, the ends of the earth are that one angles that you go to only when you absolutely have to instead of the nice angles. Look, I'm a Swannanoa person. I know the truth. People prefer the Black Mountain angles. 
You don't want to come to our Ingles because yours is better over there in Black Mountain. I, I see you. I get it. Maybe the ends of the earth is the swingles for you people. For me, that's my home territory. But for you, maybe that's the ends of the earth. And I don't know where the ends of the earth are for you. But I know that that is exactly the place that God is propelling his people Because this is the movement of God throughout Scripture to keep scooping out as far as the curse is found, as we usually sing at Christmas time, and to undo what has been done by the power of sin and reclaim people who have been lost and fallen far away. And if you are here today, I can tell you exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. I can't tell you everything, but I can tell you this thing. The Holy Spirit wants you to see Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants you to see Jesus. This Jesus has been crucified on your behalf and in your place. And he now sits and reigns over heaven and earth. And instead of you being afraid because your hands are the ones that have crucified him, God invites you to approach him without shame or fear so that you might come and live close to him. The Holy Spirit today, I don't know everything that he wants you to do, what he wants to do in your life, but I do know this. He wants you to come see Jesus. If today you have been living a life that is completely dependent upon your own power, the strength of your own arm, the ingenuity of your own mind, the cleverness and skill of your own mouth, And you have fenced off what God is allowed to do in your life because you are afraid. The invitation this morning is to be not afraid anymore and to come instead, let the breath of God breathe on and in and through you again and again that you might yield your life and trust to him. And if you are here today and you have never, you have never seen this Jesus, today, The Spirit is working amongst you. And if you today hear his voice and are are suddenly captured by the vision of the crucified king, do not harden your hearts. Today is the day for you to respond. And the response to you is the same as it was in Acts chapter 2. You need to repent and to be baptized. You need to repent and come home. That you might live with the one who made you for himself. So the invitation for all of us is the same. Come see Jesus this Pentecost Sunday and let him embrace you and fill you with all of his life that you might live a life that cannot be contained to what you expected or what is ordinary or normal and it goes and flows to the ends of the earth. This is what God is doing. Would you come and join in and be swept up by it? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your generosity. We thank you that you, uh, you're not bound by our own expectations. We, don't, we can't wall you in or stop you. God, we pray that you would do things in our life and in our valley that are too good for us to have dared to ask for. Father, I pray for those of us who are here today who are tired of running a long race on their own strength. I pray for people who are here today who are like Peter, who are saying, I've, I've been a failure again and again and again. 
I pray that today they would see that you are the God who redeems and recollects and restores and rejuvenates with his own life. And Father, I pray for, especially today, for people who are here and who have never put their trust in you, that they would hear the message that Jesus is the crucified and ascended Lord who is reigning over heaven and earth and is yet still somehow not far away from here, but by the power of his Spirit is close. And Father, I pray that you would help them by the Spirit to respond, that you would do a miracle in their hearts, convert their heart from stone to flesh, that they might reach out to you, and find that you have been wooing them, drawing them, carrying them, conspiring to keep them. Father, I pray that we would be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. That your Spirit would speak to us and we would listen. We thank you that the vision is clear today. That we can see the magnified Jesus in whom all our hopes are found. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done and won for us and that you are here with us now and forever. Amen.